1: Welcome to Locked on Box. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, who I sent a message this morning and I got the holy grail of responses from Frank when I asked him if he wants to pod. <laughs> Fuck it, let's pod. When he does that, when he does that, I know he's ready to roll. Frank, uh, have we got some more mailbag questions to knock out or uh, what's the plan here?
0: Keep, keep bagging it, yeah. Um, we didn't get through everything yesterday, so... F it, let's pod, let's let's mailbag it.
1: All right, let's dive straight in. Now, we've got a couple more email questions. I did say this is going to be a Giannis mailbag, and it is. We're going to finish off with a bunch of questions around Giannis, but we've got an email question from uh, Kevin, who, by the way, did you mention before we started recording, this is the, the Rocky Rococo fan that helped you out with some he, stuff there? He's, is that he's my hookup.
0: He's my hookup. He's my Rocky's hookup, um, which, you know, I, in 20 years from now, when I look back on you know, my locked on box podcast career, you know, I, I guess like friendship with you and Eric will be something of value, but, um, <laughs> you know, that Rocky Rococo gift card that Kevin hooked me up with, uh, that will, that will probably come in at number one. So shout out to Kevin. Um, so that means I'm obligated to, to answer any, any mailbag question he, he brings at us. But I, I, uh, I thought he had an interesting one, which I certainly had never thought about, um, which was about Bucks coaches.
1: Yeah, so he asked, uh, out of the 16 head coaches the Bucks have had, uh, that includes interims, where would you put Bud and who are your top five Bucks coaches? Now, he gave his order, which I think we discussed, and it's kind of hard to argue with, but he's got Costello, Nelson, Brunholzer, Carl, and Harris, Dal Harris, that is, for his top five. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to go through all 16, but how do you feel about those five as a, as a solid top five for the Bucks? Keeping in mind there's been some... Uh, let's say short-lived and unsuccessful coaching reigns in Bucks franchise history.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Costello, obviously the guy that I think you know most Bucks fans know he was the coach of the '71 title team, um, but we don't necessarily know a ton else about him. And I, I would freely admit um, to falling into a similar category. Um, you know, he he was with the Bucks from '68 '69, so the expansion season all the way to the 76-77 season he was fired um, early in that season after a slow start but uh, for his career 430 wins 59 uh, percent winning percentage and of course the 71 title um, and you know the, they lost in the finals again in 73 74 um, and obviously just were a phenomenal team um, really they had a, a five-year stretch where they were just you know pretty much pretty pretty awesome um, and so I think you have to start with that coach. Yes, he had Kareem um, slash Lulal Cinder, and he had Oscar and he had Bobby Dandridge and Johnny Mack and, you know, uh, obviously an extremely talented team. But, you know, if, you've, if you're if you the coach who's won the only championship <laughs> in uh, in team history, then I think you get ele- elevated uh, a fair bit. And obviously he's also the only other co- the only coach to, to go to an NBA finals period uh, in Milwaukee. So, uh, yeah, I think Larry Costello until, you know, uh, fingers crossed that Bud uh, can can match his title count this season. But um, I think until he does, then you have to put Costello ahead. And then I think uh, Don Nelson, you know, just because of uh, the legacy of those 80s Bucks teams and how they were just a terrific team for such a long period um, with Nellie at the helm. And um, obviously, you know, uh, if you're a fan of, of 90s basketball, you you probably – you know, also have very fun feelings toward Don Nelson for um, you know, kind of what he did post Milwaukee. I mean, I, I always sort of associate him with um, I always think of him more as the Warriors coach, just because he was the Warriors coach mm-hmm. when I first started really following basketball. And then um, obviously uh, continued his career beyond outside gold stays uh, Dallas. And, you know, so he, he's obviously another guy that um, I think the, just the length of the track record stands out. So um, like Kevin had, had his ranking of, Of those two guys, and then Bud, and I mean it's kind of crazy to put Bud um, third after only one and three quarter (laughs) seasons, but um, you know one sixty win season and a conference finals appearance, and uh, and now uh, another season which would have been a fifty plus win season. Um, You know it's kind of hard to uh, it's kind of hard to argue with that. yeah, you know, I mean, you know, really, Nelly and and uh, and Costello are the only guys who um, I think have taken the Bucks to kind of quite those those heights, and and obviously you hope that things are only getting started with Bud. So, um, you know, George Carl, obviously, uh, Kevin Head fourth, seems reasonable. You know, again, topped out to fifty two wins in a conference finals trip. Um, you know, uh you 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 can ask yeah, I guess you can ask George himself where he where he ranks <laughs> himself <laughs> since he's coming back on the pod. Um that's convenient. Um but uh but yeah I, I don't I don't know that there's a whole lot um you know to argue with and I think he had Del Harris fifth who, you know, sort of um you know kind of rode the the downswing of uh, of the Nelly era Bucks, but um, you know had some success in his own right. So I, I don't have a lot to argue with that. And obviously I think the exciting thing is the possibility that, that bud, you know, in, in a year or two, um, again, if, in the absolute dream scenario could make the case for for possibly even being <laughs> the best coach in Bucks history. But obviously, some things really have to fall into place before then.
1: Yeah, I thought Kevin did a good job with the order. Interesting. I, I don't know if it's interesting or it's just insane to think about it. We all know this. We've all been watching it. But when I look at the win-loss records of the coaches in Bucks history, uh, Bud just sitting at a cool 113 and 34 in the regular season, 76.9%. It's just absolutely insane, that record. Uh, the only other two coaches in Bucks history to have greater than 60% win-loss uh, is Don Nelson and Larry Costello, as you spoke about. And those two uh, combined, are the, uh, or not, or combined, they've had 148 playoff games experience, but they are the only two coaches that have had 60-plus playoff games each coach. You have to go all the way back down to George Karl at 32 games. So you get an idea that outside of... The Bucks have had two really golden eras, and outside of that, uh, they've had some struggles. Let me throw a trivia question at you. And you might have the page up in front of you, so this might not be as fun as what I think it's going to be. But the Bucks have had six coaches with an above 500 win-loss record in their history. Uh, that is Bud, Nelson, Costello, Dal harris and George Carl. Do you know who the sixth is? Joe Prunty? <laughs> yeah, it is. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> He's, I,
0: I was look, I, I You see, there is, I was not looking... I did not look that up um, just now, but I remember last year... Um, I remember last year, uh, looking at, um, his record, uh, and his winning percentage. And, you know, it was apparent that Joe Prenti was probably never going to be a head coach again in the NBA. And just the irony, I, I looked up like all these, you know, where does he rank, right? Compared to a lot of great coaches. And, you know, it's remarkable that he will probably end his coaching career with a higher winning percentage than a ton of like, you know. Very well regarded, very famous um, head coaches. So, uh, shout out to Joe Uh By by all uh, accounts, a great dude, and um, you know that's not. I'm sure that's not why he would want to go down uh, with a really great record because he had just that short run. But um, yeah, uh, he it's kind of a funny, funny little footnote in uh, in his uh, his career in Milwaukee.
1: So a follow-up from Kevin, and this is a little bit difficult to answer uh, given all the coaches the Bucs have had. Where would Jason Kidd rank? In terms of games coached, he sits number seven. He coached 291 games, 139 and 152 in the regular season. So below 500 there by 13 games. Four and eight in the playoffs. Didn't win a playoff series. Uh, generally, I would say Bucks fans turn on him completely. By the end of uh, his reign in Milwaukee, where does he sit? And then, and this is kind of a, a funny question to even think about because he is among a, a bunch of other coaches that uh, didn't have a lot of success.
0: <laughs> I, I don't even know where to put him. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. it's like you know, you know, like how do you compare him to a guy like Larry Kostoviak who had a really short run and yeah. you know just clearly didn't seem ready to be an NBA head coach? But I mean, he also didn't have the same talent level that Jason Kidd had and. You know, I don't think he left a you know a wake of uh, uh, you know pissed off people and scorned front office and you know just all sorts of um, carnage <laughs> sort of that Jason Kidd <laughs> left. Um, so yeah, I mean, Jason's kid kind of the collateral damage, you know, to the organization um, and and some of just the heartburn uh, that came with having him. Um, obviously, takes him down further than. I'd say probably his uh, his you know fairly mediocre ultimate record uh, as Bucks head coach uh, did. So uh, I, yeah, I, I don't even know where to put him. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna try to you know pick out worse worse head coaches. Um, you know uh, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there. What do you? How would you? How do you want to do it?
1: Oh, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough because you, I guess, you tainted a little bit when you think about Jason Kidd just purely because of the way it ended. I mean, longevity-wise, as I said, I mean, there literally has only been six coaches that have coached more games than him in franchise history. Now, uh, two of them with Nelson and Costello, as we mentioned, were there uh, for a combined twenty years. So they take it for a fair part of the history. But there's just so many coaches that uh, lasted uh, two seasons. Or, or fewer. So you've got uh, eight coaches or nine coaches that lasted no more than two years. So maybe for longevity, he's around that uh, you know, seven to eight mark after you get through the, the top guns that, that won a bunch of games. But uh, ultimately, uh, I don't think it's a ranking that too many people are, are getting too caught up on. Let me, let me just say that.
0: Yeah, the less I can think about Jason Kidd, the better. So that, that, that'll be the last time I think about Jason Kidd's uh, ranking among Bucks that
1: coaches, probably. All right, let's move on to the Giannis questions. We've got four of these uh, from listeners that have thrown these in. We always have a bunch of questions around Giannis. The first one comes from Sean Johnson, and he asks whether this pandemic and shorter season will affect Giannis's decision. Uh, he suggests uh, signing a two-year contract with a third-year option since we were uh, cheated out of the season, also aligns with the core players under the contract. I don't know whether I've copied that across. I'm not sure if that makes a lot of sense. But we spoke about this a little bit in regards to how this decision could affect him. Uh, You've gone through the numbers previously, uh, but where do you sit on on this now as it looks like we're going to get to finish the season, but we're really no closer to understanding uh, what the financial impact of this is going to be?
0: Yeah. I mean, um, I think, uh, next season, again, there's so many unanswered questions about how the league's going to, uh, handle the cap next season. Um, I think the safest thing, and I think what we're, what we've seen indications of, at least from, you know, people seemingly in the know is that, you know, even if, um, you know, the salary cap is supposed to be forward looking. So obviously, uh, this season, you know, the cap going or the revenues going in the tank. Um, nominally shouldn't uh condemn next season to be a really big drop off in the cap number, but um, I mean, we have no idea when fans are going to be allowed back in stadiums, um, and that's obviously, um, <laughs> that's a very material aspect of, of the NBA's business, so um, I, you know, I, I and I personally find it kind of shocking that they're you know, the, the part of the agreement with the players was that they would try to, um, I mean, or at least the league was going to try to force the season to start in early December, which kind of shocks me because, you know, as we've discussed, why hurry back so that you can play in front of empty, empty arenas. Um, but we'll see, I guess what happens there, but, um, you know, bottom line, I, I, I believe even if, uh, you know, leagues revenues, I think are going to be notably depressed next year compared to what they would have otherwise been absent the pandemic. Um, I would expect that the salary cap will be at least within, uh, you know, a stone's throw maybe of what it what it is right now. So maybe not growing by as much as it, you know, certainly as it would have. But um, to kind of maintain some semblance of um, stability and to not punish players who are free agents this summer, um, you know, they can basically set the cap at an artificially high number and then, um, you know, basically put more of the player salaries in escrow, which they normally do put um, a percentage in escrow. And then if, you know, basically the p- players got too much money, they can hold the money back. And so that's, that's basically what they would do next year. They would just basically hold back more money. And so players wouldn't actually get paid, uh, their, you know, nominal salaries, but because, you know, for free agents, you know, the cap sort of sets the bar, of what you can get. And, you know, that sets what your raises are and your future salaries and all that. But the concern is that, um, if you sign, you know, if the cap drops by $20 million this summer, then, uh, you know, those guys are kind of screwed if they sign multi-year deals, right? Because they don't get the ratchet back up uh, if hopefully the captain would would go back up. So long story short, I I don't think players next year are necessarily going to be screwed um, because I don't think from a stability standpoint, it's good for the players or the league to do that. Um, As we've discussed, like putting half the league in the luxury tax doesn't really serve any practical purpose either. Um, So, All that being said, I mean, Giannis also, any extension he signs, it does not kick in until the year following. So there's actually a fair bit of buffer here um, before, you know, a Giannis extension would actually kick in anyway. Um, So all that being said, I I think probably to the average fan, I think average fan probably overstates the impact of of the pandemic and everything that's happened on whether guys will sign extensions. Um, I, I do think there will be some uh, some maybe impact, some concern about uh, signing you know, an extension uh, this coming summer for guys who are like Anthony Davis, who can opt out. Um, they're going to be an interesting spot. Maybe the guys like that do like one plus ones. Um, but for Giannis, um, yeah, I, I mean, the two plus one, I think just makes a lot of sense anyway, you know, to be honest. I mean, for the purposes of what like kind of was brought up, just aligning with um, the time horizon of this team and, the fact that it is a bit older, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like Giannis is ever going to be struggling for money. He's always going to be able to get a max contract, and again, he can make a little more money getting that thirty-five percent max on a five-year deal right away with the Bucks this of this summer, rather than the thirty percent max which you can get as a free agent or through a shorter extension. So, um, but but I don't know. I mean, yeah, again, Giannis you know he he said that he took you know his agent had him take less money um, to sign a shorter deal with his first big contract uh, extension in Milwaukee so I mean he's literally done that before um so i I would not at all be surprised if he takes a shorter extension uh you know just to kind of give himself a little more optionality and I know some people have said, well you know even if you you know even if you sign a five year max extension like you can always get out if you really want to get out right you can always force. Uh, team to trade you if it came to that Mm -hmm. but I don't know I don't think that's really Giannis's style Um, and I I don't know anytime we go start going down this road it just feels very abstract to even think about Giannis sort of you know getting to the point of saying I'm out of here but obviously things can also change quickly you know in this league and so I think um, you know I think realistically as a fan you have to be prepared that you know if something unforeseen happens I mean it happened with Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich right who would have ever thought that that would happen. I think Giannis, I have more confidence in him being a rational, normal human being <laughs> around this stuff. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. So again, if he told me that he was going to sign a two plus one, I would, I would happily take that at this point, <laughs> just to punt, punt this whole thing a, a couple of years more down yeah. the road. Um, but uh, obviously, yeah, I mean, it would be awesome if he did sign that supermax. but I, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think I've always leaned towards, you know, he's probably more likely to do it if the Bucks win a championship. Um, but I mean, if the Bucs don't win a title this year, I don't know. It's such a weird circumstance that I don't, I don't know that he he may not sign an extension. Um, but I don't think he is going to like. I mean, he's not going to like demand a trade uh, because of some weirdness that happens in these playoffs. I don't think. Um, you know, I still think he's probably going to look at the team that's around him. And feel like that gives him an awesome chance to, you know, be the best team in the league and win a title. And ultimately that's what I think the most important thing to Giannis is that year in and year out, you give him, you know, the, the ammunition to feel like he can win a championship and, um, and that he's happy playing with these guys and, and moving forward. And obviously right now it seems like he's really happy.
1: Yeah, so I have to thank you for, uh, I I don't know what I was looking at or what I was reading. I had some real problems with the end of that question for some reason, but I have to apologize to Sean. It was not the way you asked it. It made perfect sense. And Frank answered that in terms of uh, Giannis potentially taking a, a two plus one. And when you look at the contracts they do have, just to outline it a little bit, that makes sense. The point you make, Frank, is important to remember 2021, this would uh, cut in so if he signed a two-year deal and had a third-year option potentially in that deal that would be at the same time that Bledsoe is an unrestricted free agent uh, there Chris Middleton would would have a player option which I mean let's be honest 40 million dollars in 2023 I'd say that's looking like a pretty sweet deal for Chris Middleton at that point uh, Brooke Lopez also an unrestricted free agent in 2023 so that would line up nicely there you touched on the point about him signing uh, depending on what happens in the postseason this was another question that came through. And this is a pretty common question. We hear this a lot, or it's certainly discussed a lot. Uh, and this one came from Yanis uh, Spathias. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I, I'm not sure. But he said, do you think Yanis is more likely to re-sign if the Bucks win a title or they fall short again? Most media suggest the former, though I'm not so sure that's the case. So I, I actually think the only way that he would absolutely like back away is if there's a huge meltdown. Uh, in the postseason this year. And even so, uh, I've kind of had this feeling that this season is so strange and so uh, weird and we don't know what's going to happen down in Florida now. I actually was more concerned about that during the regular, the regular season that we had and moving through to the postseason as normal. If that had have happened as normal, we would know by now. I mean, we'd, we'd be in July and it would be all over the news. But I had more concerns about the Bucks flopping under normal circumstances now that everything's changed I think everything's so crazy that I'm just not sure that the results down in Disney are going to ultimately affect his decision making I don't think that the Giannis is the type of guy that would win a championship in Milwaukee and say well I've won it now I'm happy to leave I did that for Milwaukee I don't actually think he's like that I don't see that there would be a reason for him to move either because these guys are locked in and it's a championship team it would actually make sense to stay with them yeah I
0: mean, I, I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think the Dirk example in Dallas is probably pretty instructive. Um, I think I just do think guys, um, and I don't want to like typecast him, but uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of evidence of it. You know, he, he's not like a Kawhi or Paul George, who's they're from California. They want they wanted to go home. You know, there was a mystique to going home and playing for the teams that they grew up watching or, you know, LeBron, who's, you know, a burgeoning multimedia mogul who, you know, I think for personal reasons wanted to be in LA and the idea of being a Laker was very appealing for kind of business purposes and sort of, you know, legacy type, type reasons. Um, uh, you know, for, for Giannis, I just, I just, I don't think his mind kind of works the same way. And I think the, the funny thing to me about, um, about like a lot of the like, you know the like the warrior like quote-unquote rumors which aren't even really rumors right it's just like <laughs> random speculation yeah. um it it's kind of funny because it's just it just feels like it's like weird right you like you look at durant's experience and durant going there and ultimately leaving having won two finals mvps and ultimately still feeling like a pretty tortured guy about his legacy um and and not feeling like even though he was you know, the man in those finals, winning championships. Um, the fact that that was always Steph's team and it, it, you know, to so many people rightly or wrongly, it just felt like he sort of had to take a shortcut to winning a championship. Um, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I have to think Giannis would look at that and be like, yeah, it's not like, is that, is that really the, uh, the most appealing place to, to go, you know, where it's not really even going to be your team and you're just sort of following, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, and again, I wouldn't have, I would have said the same thing probably throughout Durant, you know, also not being a guy, I would have expected to go to, to Golden State, but, um, but it is kind of just a, I don't know. It just seems like a, it just seems like it'd be a very weird thing for him to go to some, you know, very good team right now. Um, and, uh, and, you know, view that as like the place he wants to go, like in, in, in the next year, right. Year plus just seems like very weird because, you know, again, I mean, things can change quickly, but if the Bucs are winning 60 plus games and competing for championships, um, is he really going to feel like, you know, I, I don't have enough around me. Right. I mean, cause it's, that would kind of be admitting that he can't do it, you know, that he's not good enough on his own to some extent. Um, and, and I don't know, I think Giannis is a guy who kind of wants the challenge, likes the challenge of this being his team, his franchise, his city, his state, you know, and a guy like Dirk, I think sort of embodied, that dream, you know, basically being like, I am the franchise, you know, like I, this is my adopted home. I'm from half a world away. And this place embraced me as a teenager. And I, you know, went through my, took my lumps here and then, you know, had his, uh, had had his agonies. Right. I mean, I don't think anybody, there's no guarantee after some of the failures that, that Dirk had that he would eventually win, win a championship, but um, you know, kudos to him for, for ultimately getting it done. And then, um, you know, I think he was happy to just sort of stay, even though I think the Mavericks really didn't give them the best chance of winning another championship with some of the decisions they made. Let, let me ask you this, so this wasn't a question from the mailbag, but if if Giannis wins, if Giannis has like the Dirk career, winning one championship in Milwaukee, and you know, let's say he wins more MVPs, right? I think Dirk won what? One MVP. Let's say Giannis wins like four MVPs and one championship. Do you look back on that career as, as in any way disappointing if he quote unquote only wins, you know, one, one title in Wisconsin, kind of like what Dirk did in Dallas, or is that, is that judging it too harshly?
1: Well, uh, I'm not a Packers fan, Frank, but uh, yeah. you, you will hear. I was thinking of this exact same. <laughs> you, I was
0: thinking in those terms as well.
1: You at the straightaway, I thought of that, and obviously it's the Wisconsin connection. But if you're if you are a Packers fan, I think it's some on some level there is has to be some sort of disappointment, and not necessarily directly in him, but the organization pieces that were put around the Packers, to help them hopefully win more than one Super Bowl. And maybe they will. I, I don't know. I mean, there's still time, obviously. But for Giannis, I think now the Bucs haven't won a title and it still feels like such a mountain to climb. And for anyone that's watched the Bucs for years, you don't expect... I mean, it's just not something you really believe was ever going to happen until they got this guy here. So if they get one, I think the amount of goodwill you're going to get from that is going to last a lifetime and it wouldn't really bloody matter. But having said that, if you have a guy that's racking up MVPs best player in the league, so dominant. You have to feel that the guys around him are the reason that they didn't win more championships. And of course, the best player always takes the responsibility. But I think ultimately you would look back and say, gee, they probably should have got more than one championship. Do I think that Milwaukee or Bucks fans would be disappointed? No, but that's due to the franchise. I think Packers fans probably judge that, uh, that team a little harsher than Bucks fans would. But that's just me. I'm just trying to think through that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think from from a a Giannis legacy standpoint, I think you know if he wins one championship in his career, um, mm. I think it would it would be you know I think you would look back on his career as having not reached maybe its potential, right? Because I think he's certainly got the potential to be the best player on uh, you know on, on winning multiple championships, uh, whether whether it's in Milwaukee or elsewhere. So I think. I would probably agree with you. I mean, I think from a Bucks fan perspective, if you win one championship, that would just—I mean, the first one is just, you know, worth infinitely more than you know the second, second, third. Give him you know, a statue. Get him a um, statue.
1: You know, like
0: exactly, exactly. You know, to 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 lead this franchise from you know literally the depths of fifteen win hell to um to to a championship i think would just be such an enormous accomplishment and you know kind of like what what you know cleveland saw with lebron right i mean lebron wins one championship in cleveland but you know no one no one looks back on his finals losses is like oh you know re- he really disappointed in cleveland he could have done more you know i mean nobody really thinks of it that way right um but he also has those two titles from miami so you know his legacy kind of gets that extra boost uh having having done it in both places so um so yeah, I mean I think it would I think his his upside as a, you know, all-time top 10 type player uh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't max out the way it could if if he only wins one championship. Um but I think yeah, I mean his legacy in Milwaukee, I mean he he would be, I mean he's already untouchable, you know, from just a public perception standpoint. Uh if he wins a championship, I mean it doesn't matter what else he does. Um I think, you know, you, would, you, you would be an ultimate, you know, immortal uh, Rushmore, you know, sta- Wisconsin athlete. Right. <laughs> um, so, so that obviously, um, and, and it's kind of funny, you know, like you put a gun to my head. Um, I always put guns, to people's said on this podcast, it's very <laughs> violent. Uh, I, I don't know why I always go back to that metaphor, but you know, if you put a gun to my head and said, do you take, do you accept one championship from Giannis or do you roll the dice on, you know, whatever else that could happen? I'd probably take one championship, you know? Again, with this team, I mean, do I trust this franchise to be, you know, the Spurs in terms of decision-making over 20 years? No, they don't have that track record. Um, you know, do they have players that I think can allow them to keep the championship for the next couple of years? Yes. Um, is Giannis the ultimate building block for the few years after that? Yes. Um, but, you know, the, the road definitely becomes more um, more difficult you know, once obviously Middleton's in his thirties and um, the rest of those guys are obviously already there, they're going to be aging out and who knows what happens to them. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting question, but um, you know, I think again, we're just so hungry for, for any type of championship that uh, you know, just the idea of, of one just seems pretty incredible. And again, I I'll happily get greedy once, once, you know, Mm -hmm. if, and when the Bucks win one championship, but for now um I'll try to be humble and and just uh hope hope for that first one
1: next question comes from Mike z. He says wouldn't the most Yana Singh ever uh, to resign with the bucks for less than the max to allow flexibility to keep teammates and upgrade the roster? This is somewhat possible, right well. I just and you're the cap man, so I'm going to let you roll uh, through with probably more exact numbers that I'm going to have. But but first of all, the bucks with the guys that they've signed over the last couple of years are right up against the tax. Regardless, for Giannis to really have any impact to give Milwaukee room to sign anyone, it would have to be one hell of a discount that he would have to take, and also. He's been on a value contract as it is. He's been on $25 million for the last two years, picked up a, an MVP there, probably two MVPs on this deal. Uh, it's, it's definitely time for him to cash in some money. But we know the Bucks have been towing the line of the luxury tax the last few years for this exact reason. They know they're going to have to go in there sooner or later, and they're going to have to go in there when it's Giannis's turn to get paid. So uh, while, yes, I mean, I, I guess in theory it is possible, I don't think that this is actually a situation that could play out or would be at all realistic
0: yeah i mean uh, you know if he takes less than the max i think it's you know it's not like given just the way the contracts stack up it's not like he's then giving the bucks a bunch of cap room necessarily to go to go add pieces um you know 22 23 is probably the first year that you would expect to have some cap flexibility um you know that's when uh middleton and brooke and Giannis would basically be the only guys whose current deals would still be on the books. Um, and but even so, I mean, you're you're talking about having, you know, and I'm looking at like projected caps from pre-COVID, right? That were like 131. Was the projected cap in 22, 23? Uh, you know, whether we actually get there, given how things are going, um, who knows, right? Um, but but even so, I mean, you're talking about having. 20 million dollars in cap space not you know 40 or 50 so it's not like you're going to be in some position to go out and sign at at that point you know like a, a real max level type of free agent um so yeah i mean it's it's just you're you're in a much you're in a much more difficult position um from from just a salary perspective to to kind of you know really build around Giannis and and add like you know superstar type talent i mean i i just don't think um that uh, that again, the Bucks are. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I mean, anything can happen. But I think f- for the foreseeable future, uh, Chris Middleton's going to have to be the second best player on this team. Uh, and obviously, things can change. But um, but yeah, I, I don't think you know Giannis giving back money that might that'll help their tax bill. But I don't think it's going to uh, you know. And and again, not having to pay the tax or you know having. I mean, there's there's value in that beyond just saving the owner's money um, just in terms of like, you know, the taxpayer mid level versus potentially the non-taxpayer mid level, things like that. But, um, but overall, I, I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of, I I think at this point, you know, no one should uh, should, and I know that wasn't the intent of the question, but no one should uh, bat an eye, if Giannis takes, you know, the absolute maximum that he can, because he's, he's earned every bit of it. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what the real value is to ownership of him taking a bit less is, you know, I, I, again, I don't think it's, I don't think that's the answer. I think you, you know, again, you, you, you pay Giannis first and you worry about everything else, uh, everything else later. And similarly, you know, with the Bucks talking about, you know, all well, they wanted, they want to avoid the tax now because you know they're going to go in the tax later. Well, you know, again, if you're in the tax because Giannis is willing to sign, you know, super max or just any type of extension, what a wonderful problem to have. <laughs> you know? yeah, like, exactly. uh, 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 a tax that's driven by Giannis, um, you know, making an extraordinary amount of money. And again, if the, if the cap had been sort of projecting in the way that we expected, you know, you would have been talking about a, a starting salary of around 44 million in 2021, um, we'll see where that ends up just given how kind of the gap and, and everything evolves. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's no doubt a difficult situation because um, you know, as we said, the, you know, a lot of these key guys are, are aging. Uh, uh, well, let's just say they're on the, you know, the, the downward trends of their career or should be right. I mean, Brooke Lopez defensively certainly has not been, um, you know, Eric Bledsoe maybe showing a little bit of signs of aging, even though he still played at a very high level this year, Chris Middleton, obviously, you know, just had his career year so that's a great sign hopefully hopefully that that peak continues for for another uh few years at least but um but yeah it's it's a tough situation and, and again you really need I mean Dante DiVincenzo panning out into at a minimum uh you know like a super six man and potentially like a really high value uh rotation player possible kind of role-playing starter type guy um from where you got him in the draft that's that's a big win, right? I mean, just when you think about trying to build this, this rotation for the future, um, you know, George Hill's older, obviously as well. I haven't mentioned him. Um, And again, if they do keep this pick, they're, they're, you know, these picks are important because they only have so much ammunition to kind of reload, even though we've also seen them be able to add, obviously really quality veterans um, for next to nothing, you know, whether it's Wes Matthews, Cal Corver, Marvin Williams on the buyout market, um, you know, that's obviously, we're seeing the Bucks take advantage of, uh, their elite status and the fact that you've got Giannis, you've got a great coaching staff. Um, you know, this is obviously not, not the same, um, Bucks that, that many of us grew up watching, <laughs> grew up watching where, you know, you, you never got the bargain contracts because guys didn't want to play here. Uh, and now obviously that's, that's changed significantly.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So that last part that you mentioned rolls into our last question here, which was from Mark Ambrose. said, so I know we are title run focused right now. I feel great about the pitch to Giannis in the short term, but what would your long-term pitch slash vision be? Guys like Bled, Hill, Lopez will be well into their 30s in the next few years. Uh, would you build young depth, angle for a star? I think the important thing to note that we've kind of just touched on here, so some of this we've already answered, but the big point is that there's probably not going to be a lot of flexibility in the next year or two at least. They're going to be pretty locked into this roster. We knew when they gave these guys a lot of money and long-term contracts, that was probably going to be the case. So as far as pitching to Giannis, I think the best uh, the best thing you can do is say, well, have a look at the last two years. I mentioned that record for Bud, 113 and 34 uh, they had the playoff experience last year. Uh, this season's going to be so uh, crazy. Hopefully you win a title, but if you don't, uh, I don't think it hurts you a lot. Moving forward, as far as filling out the roster, as you just sort of pointed to, I mean, the Bucs have really, in the last 12 to 18 months, put themselves in a really strong position to, to pick up veteran minimum contracts, to pick up buyout guys. Uh, they've become a really uh, attractive destination for these players to come and play here because of the system under Bud. Uh, brand new re- arena, fantastic facilities. I think the, the uh, I, I guess, uh, avoidance of wanting to play Milwaukee has gone away somewhat because of the facilities, also because you have an MVP on the roster. That's the number one reason. So players are going to want, want to come here to win. You're going to be able to pick up the guys like we've seen with Wesley Matthews as well. Marvin Williams, obviously... Uh, this year so I, I think it's a really attractive place to play I think it's also important I'm all in on using this pick this year I mean you got to have guys and the Bucks haven't had a lot of success outside of obviously the home run with Giannis which was a pretty damn good one and a second round pick with Brogdon you're going to have some young guys in there uh, Dante DiVincenzo we've seen the value of having a first round pick uh, on that on that contract you get control over these guys if you can pick in the first round and get a valuable contributor, I think it really sets your, your roster up nicely as well. Uh, and we had the podcast with Sam Vicini a couple of days ago, just at the end of last week. And he was pretty optimistic, particularly with the Bucks, when you talk about guys like Eric Bledsoe and George Hill that are 30-plus. Uh, he said there's a couple of ball handlers that fit that Bucks mold, uh, long athletic defenders, able to shoot the three a little bit. So there's options there. So I, I think that in terms of winning, you don't have to pitch too much to Giannis because he's there. He's seen it. It's not like you're trying to attract him. I don't see the Bucks are going to be in a really, really good position to to trade for another star. I think it's all about uh, getting the fringe guys that that put you over the top with the depth we've seen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be Giannis plus the system yeah. in a lot of ways, right? And and it, not to diminish like what Chris Middleton's done or you know Brook or or uh, Bledsoe or any of those other guys, but um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's I think the, the selling point is. Um, being able to build just a, a terrific culture where guys obviously buy in and um there's no question you know what the north star of this franchise is that's Giannis and building around him and exploiting his strengths on both ends and um you know complementing uh the things that that he does well and and also you know covering for things that maybe he doesn't do well obviously just with the the spacing uh around him to to kind of give him room to operate offensively so um yeah I mean, I think as far as the selling points go um you know again, I think just the uh, everything we see right and I mean, you've been around this team um it does seem like a really special group that just you know again the chemistry's terrific, you know i mean it's it's always funny to kind of you know I'm thinking back to like the, the George Carl <laughs> conversation you had, and, and obviously that that oh one team just even when things were going well, you know it seemed like there was always that um friction and tension just beneath the surface and at times like in plain view uh you know george carl challenging guys through the media things like that and um you know it probably should not have been surprising that that things kind of split apart very quickly versus this bucks team you know where are the egos on this team i mean there really aren't any egos on this team it's it's pretty remarkable um from you know there aren't a lot of young guys but um, you know, I think, I, I think this is where the leadership of Giannis really shines through because I think, you know, this is a bunch of veteran guys, um, who have fallen in line behind, uh, a young super duper star. And I think, you know, all the, um, cliches about his, his hard work, uh, you know, the kind of quiet leadership unselfishness, all of that stuff, I think just, um, you know, courses through the veins of this team and it and it is not at all surprising to me that um you know building the roster the way that Bucks have um, has has paid dividends and it's such a drama free team <laughs> and you know it's just uh it's just a team that just takes care of business night in and night out. So um so yeah I mean that that's a pretty good place to work. Now you know again is it the you know, sexiest place because of you know big names and things like that. No, um, but is that what Giannis is looking for? I don't know. You know, he doesn't really seem like the kind of guy that would be overly fixated on that. He's not, you know, kind of like the again the kind of Team USA crowd who you know is their buddy buddy with you know these random other star players and want to play with them. Right? I mean, Giannis famously sort of avoids <laughs> avoids those other guys. Uh, He's not part of the team USA setup for obvious reasons. And um, you know, I I don't think he's going to be getting into high stakes, you know, a games with guys from random teams and, and building, you know, uh, getting recruited or whatever while in Orlando, I think he's probably going to be very focused staying in his room, doing some, you know, uh, fake wrestling with the Lopez brothers. And, um, you know, I, I think hopefully this, this could be, um, you know, a galvanizing thing for this team even further, right? I mean, you know, you just sort of think about it and, and the, what this is going to mean for teams. You know, if you're a team that doesn't like each other, it's going to be pretty hard to, to, to hide it, right? Pretty hard, pretty hard to <laughs> kind of run away from, from that dynamic when uh, you're stuck with these guys in such a confined space versus uh, teams that I think legitimately do like each other and get along and have great chemistry. Um, you got to think that's going to be an advantage and hopefully – um, hopefully we see that with the box
1: all right so we've rolled through those Giannis questions plenty of good stuff there i mean we could always talk about Giannis. we could probably go on for another hour or two we've knocked off almost all of the mailbag questions i know i do want to in particular shout out uh, james hauser he sent a, a really interesting question regarding expansion drafts via email we're definitely going to answer that at some point, to be to be honest, I, I don't think I, I did enough research into giving an answer I would be comfortable with right now. But we will uh, wrap up the rest of the questions whenever we get back to that. But Frank, uh, again, the Bucks got their first five in five in today, five on five, I should say. Uh, it's July 14 as people are listening to this, which means it's nine days until a little scrimmage. I don't know whether we're going to get to watch this scrimmage or the practice game, preseason game, whatever you want to call it against San Antonio, but nine days. It's, uh, it's pretty damn close.
0: I mean, they might as well show it, right? Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> I'll be watching. <laughs> like, I,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's so, it's so weird. Wait, what, how, how many days away is it? Sorry, what did you say?
1: nine Nine, twenty third of July. Oh they're God. supposed to face the Spurs. It's incredible. They played that, they had their first oh, five yeah. on five today. It's unbelievable. They don't even have their full team in Disney yet.
0: Yeah. And I guess have we heard anything else today? I heard someone say that we saw the NASAs uh, today in, uh, in Orlando. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, our friend Mitchell Maurer uh, was uh, he was tracking okay. this on uh, on Brew Hoop. They uh, There was an article I retweeted, um, but it changes daily, so um, so we'll see, but yes, the, the tracking of who's who we've seen and who we haven't seen um, will continue here, and obviously. Um, we will cross our fingers. I think our son is down there now as well. Um, so, uh, so we'll we'll have to see. I'm I'm I remain at least from a selfish basketball perspective most concerned about Eric Bledsoe, just because yeah. I don't think we've seen any evidence of him being down there yet. And obviously, um, he's a crucial guy for for this team. So, um, so we'll see. Otherwise, Dante's going to need some more ketchup packets if uh, if he's going to have to start in uh, in blood the uh, blood spot for at least some time. But it is it it's also it's funny to me like how. You know, like even if the scrimmages are are pretty close, you know the fact that Rondo broke his hand is like out six to eight weeks. Um, and I saw someone saying, "Oh, that'll be like," uh, I think someone was saying like he would probably be back. He could be back by like the conference semis or finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, to think that a guy could be out for two months and still be available by you know mid mid to late playoffs um, just sort of underscores how much basketball uh, there is left. You, you know, and again. Uh, crossing fingers that that obviously no uh no major issues happened as far as um you know the pandemic and the bubble bursting so um yeah it's it's exciting to think that basketball might actually be getting close um and uh also kind of exciting that we have a lot of basketball left you know (laughs) like we've been it's been out of our lives for so long i'm i'm fine with uh Uh, a few months even if uh you know easy for us to say because we're not going to be stuck in that bubble
1: no it's true uh and one final update regarding the Bucks, just because i know people are on edge and they're trying to keep up with as as you sort of said frank who's going to be there and who's not it's an off day tomorrow for the Bucks, so they won't practice that's scheduled if you see anything on twitter don't panic they let everyone know in advance there's going to be no practice and no media information so you might just have to wait another 24 hours before you hear anything from the Bucks camp uh, as far as this network goes uh, don't forget to check out the john hollinger and nate duncan podcast Nate's obviously been on this show a couple of times now it's always fun talking to him so check that one out they're all over everything that's going on with the bubble and as far as me and franco uh, i'll send him another message in a couple of days and we'll see if he says fuck it let's pod and if he does we'll speak to you guys then so we thank you for listening and we'll catch you guys tomorrow